Looking at uh, Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 38, Jesus speaking to his disciples, teaching them, and he said this to them Give, and it will be given to you. And not just a little bit, but a good measure, he said. Press down, shaken together. That's what you do when you really want to stuff something. You just don't put it in, you squish it down, you shake it together, you just run it over, Jesus said. Will be poured into your lap. How many would like that poured into your laps? Oh yeah, bring it on. Lord, give me all the ones who didn't raise their hands. I'll take theirs too. And uh, For with the measure, he says, you use. The measure you use. You know what a measuring cup is? The measuring cup you use in generosity in your life is the measuring cup God will use to bless you. I want to use a big old yo mama measuring cup. Okay, I don't want his little teaspoon. Because that's, that's what I'm going to get back. Now, today I want to share with you how you can get into this place of being blessed like this. Now, I'm going to be speaking to you and teaching you about the ideal. Now, I assume and take for granted most people are not walking the ideal. That doesn't mean you need to get discouraged or bummed or depressed. It just means you need to start working toward the ideal. Alright? I'm going to be speaking to you about what I call being a 10-10-80 Christian. And uh, by the way, I want to welcome uh, our church in Stevens Point this morning who's joining us by video. Kind of cool. In fact, you video guys back there, give me a jib shot there. Over on this camera, way over here. I want everybody to look at this camera over here and wave at everybody in Stevens Point. How y'all doing? (laughs) All right. And uh, they're joining us uh, by video this morning in the message. So I, I want to share with you about how to be what I call a 10-10-80 Christian. What that means is give 10%, save 10%, and live on 80%. Now, we're going to find the keys to this in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and verse 6. Paul writes this. He says, remember this. Why does he say that? Because it's easy to forget. Remember this. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Sounds just what Jesus said. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But Paul uses this analogy of sowing seed in in how you get back. Now, uh, those of you who are farmers, or obviously it's very simple to figure this out, Uh, if you take all of your seed and you eat it, you won't have anything to plant. If you take all the seed that you have and crush it up and make a bunch of grits. Anybody from the south? Grits. I like grits. If you make all your seed into grits and have breakfast tomorrow, you won't have anything to sow. You've got to take the seed that God gives you and be smart with it. So that you have enough to sow so you can get back more seed. Now, no farmer has ever been criticized for eating some of the seed. You've got to live. We get that. But if you eat it all, you'll have nothing to give. That's one of the challenges that people have today, people of faith. They eat all their seed. Don't eat all your seed. Don't live at the max in your life. We live in a very much a consumer culture today. And everybody pushes you and pushes you and pushes you to live at the max. Live at the max that you can. What's the max you can afford? Get pre-qualified. 
now to get pre-qualified to see what kind of home you can get. What do they do? They do a formula to see what's the max you can do. You're going to get a car, get pre-qualified. What's the max car you can afford? What are the max payments you can handle? And then everybody steps right up to that line. The problem with that is as soon as anything goes south, you're in a mess. The minute gasoline goes up by 50 cents a gallon, you're panicking. Now, I don't like gasoline going up. I whine and complain about it. But there's a difference between whining and complaining and freaking out. I'd much rather whine and complain. Just saying I don't like it. I don't like it. Who likes it? Giving away money for what? Nothing. But when it goes up and you're like dead meat because you're constantly living at the edge, that is not wise. Step back. If you've been pre-qualified for this, say, great, I'll get this. I'm thinking about getting a car. I don't have a car. My wife has a car. She's got a nice car. I don't have a car. I usually just bum rides from the guys that I work with. (laughs) Say, can't you afford a car? Yeah, I'm just cheap. But I'm thinking about, I was thinking about buying a car and I, I pre-qualify for about a 40-something thousand dollar car based on my income and credit record and the fact that I don't have children picking up my brain all day long financially. <laughs> so 47-something thousand dollar cars are great. So I've been out looking at 20-something thousand dollar cars. Why? Because then I can dance in the rest. It gives me freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. I like that. Gives me freedom. I mean, in fact, I thought, you know, our marriage ministry has a big old diesel something or other. I look like I'm six years old driving it, you know, but uh, uh, I'm thinking, I'll just drive that. Which means I don't have to get anything. Which means I can even step back here. Which gives me what? Freedom. For those, you know, those of you who, who uh, watch the movie Braveheart, all the guys, you know, it's a manly man's movie because lots of people die. <laughs> and there's this scene in there when he rallies the man around him and says, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And all the guys go, oh, they'll go nuts. Sadly, today, nobody's taking our freedom. We're giving it away. Giving it away. Why? Just so we can live at the max. There's no freedom in that. If you have a guy here who's up to debt in his eye, up, up to his eyeballs and has lots of shiny things, and this guy over here doesn't have very many shiny things, but he's not up to debt, who do you think envies whom? He envies this guy. Everybody envies the guy who's not up to debt up to his eyeballs. Even though he may not have such nice stuff. This is a trap. It's a trap people push you into all the time. Jim DeGroote gave me this uh, this morning. He's a jeweler. And he heard me speaking in the first service. He wrote this down for me. He says, do you know 94% of new engagement rings are financed? 94%. Going into debt up to their eyeballs before they even get started. How much did we pay for our rings? $80? (laughs) 86 bucks? It's this one right here. 
it still works. In fact, I'm absolutely convinced. I've talked to uh, some of the people that work with me. I, I don't have the proof yet. I'm going to go look for the proof. I'm going to do some surveys. I just have this sneaking suspicion. I think the people who spend the most amount of money getting married probably wind up to be the most miserable couples. I think the ones that are the happiest are the ones that hardly spend anything. People saying to me, Pastor, we'd like to get married. How long have you been dating? 20 years? <laughs> what, are you an idiot? Well, we'd like to get married, but we can't afford it. Don't tell me you can't afford to get married. Of course you can get afford to get married. I'll marry you for a buck. <laughs> right after the service, I got a special going on. Just <laughs> What you can't afford is to get married like some person who's got hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's what you can't afford. Let me sit there going in a debt up to your eyeballs and buying rings for God knows how much money and having a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar wedding and stuff. But that's been the dream since I've been a little girl. <laughs> What's sad is y'all know what that meant. Uh, that's, that's what's sad. You know, they have this, they have this thing, you know, that, uh, you know, buy it now. No payments for a year. Now, I take advantage of those things. In fact, I just told my wife yesterday, we need to get some new furniture. Uh, we're moving in to the house now. And I said, let's go to one of these places and, and let's find some place that will finance it for free for a year. We have the money. But I'd rather use their money. <laughs> For a year. They hate people like us. They, they don't like that. You know who they really like? Is people who do it and then most of them can't pay it off in a year. And then they dump them in at like 18 to 24% interest. You need to know something, boys and girls. Can I call you boys and girls? You need to know something, boys and girls. The spirit of slavery in America is still alive and well. There's been a spirit of slavery since mankind was first created. There have always been men who've wanted to make other men slaves to them. Indentured to them. To work for them. Just because we had a war a hundred years ago and and fought over slavery. Made it the the most egregious form of slavery illegal. Don't, don't, Don't fool yourselves. Spirit of slavery. That thing that... Hundreds of thousands of men in this country spilled their blood to stop. That spirit is still alive. It's not gone. People still want to make you a slave. They still want you to have a massa. Used to be the massa down on the plantation. Now there's a new massa in town. His name's Massa Card. (laughs) Why do you think people want to give you Seven thousand dollars. Here's a letter. I want to give you fifteen thousand dollars. Here's a letter for you. I'm giving you thirty thousand dollars. You think they like you? They don't even know you. Why do you think they're willing to give you that money? Because they want you to be a slave to them. So I'll give you your money right now, and then you're going to work for me for years. 
You're going to work for the Mazza for years paying that off. Every little shiny thing that goes by, just like fish. You ever go fishing? You got those little lures, throw in the water, they sparkle. The fish see that and go. I used to think, how dumb is that? Dumb fish? I'm a terrible fisherman. I can go fishing with good fishermen and they don't catch anything. I'm just bad news when it comes to fishing. But you know, we're just as dumb as the fish. As soon as we see something shiny. Oh! Oh! You know, a lot of our, our economy is driven by impulse buying. You know what it's called? It's called lures. Let them see something shiny. Do you have the money? No, no, I'll. The master will give it to me. The master loves me. Master doesn't love you. Wants to make your life hell. And what they hope is that you'll pay the minimum payment. Minimum. Because that makes them your master for a longer time. You know what they hate? They hate guys who pay off their credit cards every month. You know what they call people who pay off their credit cards every month? You know what it is, Jim? You know what they call them? They call, they call them deadbeats in the industry. That's what they call them. Deadbeats. Why? Because the massa doesn't like us. Pay off your card, it just irritates the snot out of them. The ones who pay it off, you're the deadbeats. The ones who put the minute, they love you. I'll give you more money. Oh, you must really love me, Massa. <laughs> if you can't live on 80%, you're probably living in too much house. Maybe you're driving too much car. Maybe you're buying too much stuff. Maybe you're going out to eat too much. Maybe you got too much junk in your house. Good night. You know one of the biggest expanding businesses today is? These uh, storage units. Storage units. That's a hot business. Eh? We got so much junk that we'll never use. Now we're renting to go stick it in something. So we got more room for more junk. Because the master said I can get more junk. Some of you are in such bad shape you can't even begin to think about living on 80%. I understand that, but work your way out of that. Now, we're going to start teaching some classes in January about how to get out of the hole you're in. Let us show you. We will teach you. There's no big mystery. It's not as hard as you think. But you got to be smart. And Christmas is coming up. Be careful. Don't be out there spending money like a bunch of drunken monkeys. measure pressed down shaken together and running over now the next verse says this each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give notice it doesn't say anything about divine revelation Very, almost every church in America this morning said I want you to just let's pray and ask what God wants you to give that is not biblical you can't find that anywhere in the Bible now can God speak absolutely if God tells you to give me a million dollars do that right away <laughs> or a hundred dollars whatever it is absolutely God can do it. He's done it to me. I know he can. But a lot of times we make the exception the rule in American Christianity. You know what the rule is really? Is you're not quite sure what to do. That's Christianity. That's faith. Man, faith is... Man, if you knew what to do all the time, what's hard about that? If God spoke to you in a divine word, what pair of socks to put on in the morning? That's a slam dunk. 
What's hard is when you're not quite sure. You're just not quite sure. This is faith. That's the normal. And I preached about this last week. I won't get over it again. But everyone should decide to give in his heart. In other words, say what you're going to do and then do what you say. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. I talked about our church in Stevens Point. God bless you guys over there. We did a campaign last year. 100% of the money pledged came in. 100. That's virtually unheard of in churches. I, I don't know of any that's ever happened. I'm sure there must be some out there. I don't know of any. That's the kind of church we need to be. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Say what you're going to do. Do what you say. Verse 8. And God is able to make all. Say all. all. Check this out. All grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need. <laughs> How many would like to have all you need? All the time. In every way. All, 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 all. See, that's being rich in biblical terms. When the Bible talks about being rich, it's not talking about being Bill Gates and like a bunch of drunken monkeys out there. It's talking about having all that you need all the time. That's what God wants to do for you. As it is written, he has scattered his gifts abroad to the poor. God just loves to bless people. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will bless your storehouse. So live on 80%, the next 10%, save 10%. God cannot bless your storehouse if you don't have a storehouse to bless. You ever think that through? People say, God bless my storehouse. God, I'm trusting God to bless my storehouse. Really got any savings? No. What are you expecting God to bless? We need to be smart. Why is it important to have a storehouse? Two major reasons. One, so you can more easily respond to the financial challenges in your life. Don't be living at the edge and expect, you know, it is the height of arrogance to live here assuming nothing will ever change. Things change. It's not God's manager. I know God, why are you leaving? It's life. Life stinks. Come on. Here's a promise thing you don't find in those promise verses. You know, you will have much tribulation in life. You know who said that? Jesus. Nobody quotes that promise. <laughs> Praise God, we're trusting God for tribulation today. In this world, you will have tribulation. Things go crazy in life. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. We can live in a place where we don't have, you know, life comes in crazy. Don't live in such a way financially that you freak if something goes weird. By having a storehouse, you can handle some of the challenges. That's number one. And number two, you'll be able to give. It's hard to give if you have nothing to give from. If you have a storehouse, then you can reach in the storehouse and bless. You can sow more seed. You can look for an opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to sow more seed over here because I want more of a return. Have you ever been in a situation where you saw something and you think, man, I wish I could get involved in that. I wish I could support this effort. I wish I could get behind this outreach. But you can't. You know what I'm talking about? It's because we don't have storehouses. There's nothing to reach from. There's no seed to go grab and the the bag is empty. We need to have a storehouse and set stuff aside so that in certain opportunities. That's why God wants to bless you and make you rich. Look at verse 11, the next verse. He says, you will be rich in every way. And I'm talking about all that you need all the time. Not Bill Gates rich. It's all you need all the time. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can buy the biggest, fanciest house you can imagine. I got a different version. 
I think I have the drunken monkey version. <laughs> You'll be made rich in every way so you can drive the coolest car you've ever thought of. Is that what it says? He says, you'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous. That's why God wants to bless you. So you can have all that you need all the time. Why? So you can be generous. It's just that simple. He does that for people so that they can be generous. Be generous. 10, 10, 80. 80% live on it. 10% save it. And then finally the final 10%. And really it's the first 10%. Tithe. Tithe. Give 10% of your income. You know, this is an Old Testament concept. It goes back thousands of years. Actually, it's an ancient concept anyway. Do you know pagans tithed? Pagans, heathens, they would actually bring their tithe to, you know, the God that they were worshipping. You know, some stone chicken or something, you know. And just, <laughs> they'd bring 10%. Somebody emailed me this last week. Well, I don't know about... If I see the tithe in the New Testament, I don't know if the New Testament talks much about 10%. I wrote back, I said, yeah, you know what? The only other percentage you find in the New Testament is 100%. (laughs) It's true. Jesus said, come follow me. The Bible says they left everything. They forsook all. The early church, if you read the book of Acts, you know what they did? They all got together, sold everything they had, 100%, and gave it to the church. And they all lived in a big Jesus commune. Until they started getting on each other's nerves and irritating each other and had to do something else. You know why they did that? Because they thought Jesus was... When, they, when Jesus said, I'm coming back, they thought, you know, like he was going out for milk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they thought he was coming like right back. I mean, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was going to come back before the end of December, man, let's go sell everything. Why not? We don't need all this junk. Let's invest it, save souls, get as many people to go to heaven with us. When it started dawning on him that, you know, it probably wasn't a milk run he was doing, you know, then they had to adjust. And that's why Paul had to teach him about how to give. This is how you give. This is how you live. So versus the 100% or the 10%, I'll go for the 10%, you know. And some people, I know you're not there. You can't, well, I can't even imagine. Well, do 1%. Do 2%. Do something. Save something. Don't keep eating all your seed. Some of you need to get free at a massa too. Good measure, Jesus said. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God wants to do in your life. So that at all times, in every way, at all that you need will be yours. And so the kingdom of God can move forward. So that we can be generous on every occasion. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Give, Jesus said, and it will be given to you. Now, true giving is really about giving God your heart. That's what he wants. I got news for you. God doesn't need your money. We need your money. (laughs) But God doesn't need your money. God is fine. He's not up there freaking out, wondering how the payment's going to come in this month. Why is it important for us to give? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. God wants your heart. Our heart follows our money. We need to learn to be generous. We need to learn to put the kingdom of God first. But let me ask you this morning, as your head's bowed, have you truly given God your heart? Maybe you're here this morning and you're a first-time visitor. You've never been here. Maybe, maybe you've been here for years and you've been in churches for years, but you've never really given Jesus your heart. You need to do that this morning.
God sent his son Jesus to the earth so that he would forever be the one great sacrifice for the sins of the world. His blood was shed upon the cross that it might wash away your sins and mine and make us white as snow. If you've never done that this morning, I'm asking you to join with us as we all pray this prayer together. If you will mean this, give Jesus your heart. He'll come into your life, wash away your sins, and give you a new beginning. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you this morning. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I accept your love. In the sacrifice of your son Jesus. Today I give to you. The most important thing I can give. I give you my heart. Amen. Say wow is it that easy? It's not easy but it, it is that simple. If you prayed that prayer this morning. That was the first time you've ever done that. This is a new thing for you. I'd like to stop by our guest services booth on the way out this morning. I have a a packet. It has a book in here. It's a book written by my brother, Ed, who's also in ministry. It's a great little book. I want to give it to you absolutely free. It has great information in there about knowing God and praying and what all of this means. So, you know, on your way out, just stop by the guest services and say, can I get a copy of that free book? That's all you got to say. I'd I'd like a copy of that book. Can I get that book? And and we'll give it to you. And and you can get that and, and take a look at that. Now, As the service comes to an end, we are doing this miracle offering. This is the thing we've all been talking about for the last six weeks. Now, uh, before we do that, and and by the way, it's in your your, uh, bulletin this morning, the uh, Imagine card thing. If you'll take that and tear that out. Uh, Some of you uh, did it last week. Some of you didn't do it, but now you can do that this week. Uh, We're doing two things. One is... My one-time gift that I'm giving this morning. This is a special cash gift. Able to take from your storehouse. Those of you who have a storehouse, you can do it. If you don't have one, there's nothing you can do. No one's hollering at you. Just want to get to that place. Put it, but do something. Don't do nothing. All right? But whether it's a dollar or it's a hundred thousand dollars. Just put in there, this is what we're going to give uh, for this miracle offering this year. And, and then there's this part for the, for the year pledge. If you want to give, we're going to give X amount of dollars weekly or monthly or whatever. There's a chart here that you can use um, to do that. Um, now, before we take that, let me talk to you just for a minute. Heart to heart as your pastor. Since I've come here in the last six weeks... It, it has been absolutely wonderful what's going on in this church. The attendance is up. The energy is up. The excitement is up. There's all kinds of faces in here that people haven't seen ever before. This is If you're part of that new group, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And we hope that you'll feel comfortable enough to be part of this church family. And, and I don't talk about money all the time. This <laughs> just happens to be you showed up on that day. Okay. But... Uh, um, by every measurable standard, the Wednesday night energy is up, the attend, the kids, everything is up, 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 except in one area, the offerings. Since October 1, when I stepped in, they've been down. Now, a lot of that is normal. 
In fact, it's to be expected. All my friends and you know everybody, you know, well, you know what's going to happen when new leadership comes in? They'll 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 hold back on their money. They'll be afraid of their money. They'll be afraid of their money because they won't know about these changes. And that's natural. And I understand that. But as your pastor, I need to challenge you to be not natural but supernatural. Are you hearing me? You need to step out. Let me, let me share this with you. And, and let me talk to you, those of you who have been here for a long time. Because I've got to assume it's the more established element of our church here that is holding back. Even though the attendance is up, you can't expect brand new people to be making big commitments. To, and if you're here this morning as a guest, you don't have to fill out this card or anything. Unless you want to, <laughs> sign up. But, uh, um, you know, this is this is... It takes a while for people who come for the first time to get comfortable enough to where they can do this. If all of a sudden, since October, the money's down, it's got to be because of those of us, particularly some of the established ones, are holding back. The question would be, why are they holding back? And it's probably because of this. Because things have changed. Things are different. Things look differently than they did before. And when things look differently, people hold back. But let me encourage you this morning. Don't hold back. You know, I encourage our church in, in, in Stevens Point. I mean, if between the two churches, they're the ones who've had the biggest change. They're the ones who are, are in the most scary position. It's, it messes with them. It's hard. I mean, some of them are just, they're still driven by fear and, and, and not sure. What, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. But even there, the offerings have stayed solid. The ones who have the most to risk, the most dangerous, unseen waters that they're treading. Here it's gone down. Why would be that? Let me encourage you. Don't be like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, the religious people of Jesus' day. You know what they did? They had been waiting and praying for the Messiah for 4,000 years. And when he came, they missed it. Do you know why? Because it looked different than they thought it would look. It looked different. Don't be like the children of Israel who were in slavery for 400 years crying out to God in Egypt. Set us free from our slavery. Moses comes along, brings them out into out of Egypt. And all they did was whine and bellyache and complain. Do you know why? It didn't look like they thought it would look. I don't be out here in the desert. I don't know. When I said I didn't want to be a slave, I wanted to stay in Egypt and run Egypt. That's what I wanted. They wanted to be in charge of the riches of Egypt. And we out there in a desert, eating bread off the ground every morning. Man, what is this stuff? What's it made out of anyway? God got so irritated at those guys, he, he just made them wander out there for 40 years. Do you know why? He's waiting for them all to die. That's why. That's why they were out there for 40 years. Because they so whined and so belly because it didn't look like they thought it would look. That they missed out on going into the promised land. It wasn't until their children came. And I'll tell you what. You be stubborn with God. God will wait you out man. No sweat to him. He'll just make you walk around till you're dead. <laughs> I got news for you. God has all the time in the world. 40 years of him was nothing. He just watched him. Alright they're dead. Let's go on. <laughs> and then they went. Their children went into the promised land. They all missed it. Why? Because it didn't look like 
they thought it would look. I know a lot of you have been praying for years. God bless this church. God help us touch the nation. Help us touch the world. Help us do something great. And then I show up. (laughs) And for some of you I know it freaks you out. I know most of you love me. I get that. I'm not insecure. If it wasn't, this place wouldn't be full this morning. For those of you who are freaking out because things look different, you know, get past that. I know not everybody's crazy about me. It's hard to imagine. I, I just, I love myself so much. It's hard. <laughs> What's not to love, right? You know, somebody called, you know, three weeks or so ago, called my office and, and left this message, you know, about how do we get back Pastor Arnie? We, we got to get rid of this new guy. <laughs> Calling my office. I don't know who it was and I don't want to know if it was you I forgive you I'm not sure who he thought he was appealing to that's like me calling your house (laughs) better not been you I don't recognize your voice You know, just that, that's like me calling your house and, and leaving a message on your phone to how can we get you out of the neighborhood? <laughs> Don't call my office to get rid of me. And one of the complaints is, you know, we need Pastor Ronnie, but we can't have that guy up there out there acting like a clown. We got him up there acting like a clown. I got news for you. I'm not acting. This is me. Really, you know, because because what people do, they, they, they look at other people through their own glasses. They see somebody up here like this and they think, well, if I was up there doing like that, I would have to really do be outrageous. Well, yeah, for you, but not me. This is me. You don't you doubt it? Spend a day with me. I walk around the office, you know, there are all such good workers in there, it's, you know, they creep me out, it gets so quiet in there. Two, three times a day, I'll stick my head and go, ah, just to freak them out, you know. <laughs> you think I'm acting? Talk to my wife. Say, does she laugh? No. After 33 years, this ain't so funny. <laughs> but I am not being plastic or phony or acting like some Shakespearean actor to be or not to be that is the question Twether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune <laughs> or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them to die to sleep alas no more <laughs> As you sleep, we mean we end the thousand natural shocks and heartaches that flesh is heir to. To die, to sleep, perchance to dream. Ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come after we have shuttled off this mortal coil must give us pause. <laughs> it's amazing, I still remember this from high school. <laughs> That's acting.
acting. It's really bad acting, but that's acting. Not acting. Don't miss it because it looks different. I'm telling you, God is in this. You guys here, you guys in point. God is in If I, If God is not in this, I am a dancing chimpanzee. Because stuff is happening at a rate I have never experienced anything like this before. You can't make this stuff up. I merely whisper to you in a service that one of my dreams is to take our television program and get it all across the country. Two weeks ago, some millionaire shows up and says, I want to pay to have you put your program, your Bayside program, in Phoenix, Arizona, one of the largest television markets in America. I'm going to personally pay for it for a year. How do you make that up? And then two days ago, two, three days ago... Three days ago, a television network calls us. Says, do you have a weekly television program? Well, yeah. So, well, we are on direct TV. And we want to put your program on this direct TV satellite network. And we're also in four or five other nations around the world. And we want to do it for free. Would you like to be on? You want to put us on TV nationwide for free? Yeah. Let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> How many of you have been, been a Christian for a long time? I mean, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. How many of you, you know lots of other churches all over the place? Have any of you ever heard of a church where some guy shows up and says, I will carry the money to put your church ministry in a major television city in, in America? Anybody, anybody ever see that happen? Have you ever seen a church where some network, I don't even, I didn't even call them. A major, uh, call and say we want to put your church's program nationwide for free. Have you ever heard of that? You can't even make this stuff up. Why is that happening? Why is it happening now? Because I believe God is in this dream and in this vision. And we need to get behind it. I know I'm not Pastor Arnie. I love Pastor Arnie. I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Pastor Arnie. I love him and his family. I wouldn't be in ministry today if it wasn't for those guys. But I'm different than them. I know that. But I'll tell you what. Whoever would have come in it would have been different. If you're holding back, please stop holding back. Last week we did our initial take on this pledge. We got one quarter of what came in last year. Are we in trouble? No, we're not in trouble. If we're in trouble, I'll tell you we're in trouble. But it sure ties our hands. We can't do what God's called us to do. Even doing those things for free, it's still going to cost us money to produce special programs to get those on the air. Are we going to not take advantage of this opportunity because we don't have the extra few thousand dollars to do it? This is insane. Are we going to quit doing our missions program? Or are we going to take out of the mouths of orphans around the world? Because some people are afraid. I mean, come on, guys. We can do this. At a minimum, we can do what we did last year. I need you to step up. What can you do today? What will you pledge over the next year? Say what you'll do. Do what you say. Let's make a difference. Let's 
change the world. Let's change America. Is it possible that a bunch of little churches in, in central Wisconsin and northeastern Wisconsin, can we really affect the world? Yes, we can. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. The band, oh, you're here. <laughs> and uh, and as, as they pass us in, put in what you can do today as part of your miracle offering and then whatever your pledges are. And, and let's join together and let's make a difference. Let's move the kingdom of God forward. You can go ahead and pass those out.